0: Blog Talk Radio. To this evening's blog talk radio show, grassroots holistic health. It's really a pleasure to have you with us again this Easter evening. And for those of you who work, practice Easter, I wish you a a happy holiday and trust that you enjoyed the day. Uh, today is Sunday, April twentieth, two thousand and fourteen, at nine p.m. And again, as we always begin, we give praise to the one most high, to our ancestors, to my lovely wife and my mother and my children and family, siblings, and extended friends throughout cyber world and through the social network community. I thank you again for sharing your energy with us. Uh, this evening's show is, is going to be a, it's a very special show and very exciting and very informative. Uh, we have a special guest, uh, the renowned uh, Dr. Christopher Saltpaws with us this evening. And uh, before we introduce him, to you, the listening audience, just like to give you a background of uh, the exciting career and the service that Dr. Salkor has rendered within our community throughout the, uh, the Americas. Uh, Dr. Christopher Salkor received his Bachelor of Science in Material Science Engineering from Rutgers University and his Doctorate in Naturopathic Medicine uh, degree from uh, uh, Basir University one of the world's leading centers for natural medicine and his master's in acupuncture from New York City College of Traditional Chinese Medicine. He has a a lifelong dedication to healing and has worked with patients suffering from many different health conditions such as obesity, diabetes, hypertension, HIV, AIDS, and cancer. And while in Seattle, Washington, Dr. Salt-Paul organized a successful and support uh, fitness program for seniors struggling with obesity and diabetes. And prior to medical school, Dr. Salt-Paul helped found a mentoring program for adolescents struggling to become conscious and positive adults. He also worked for several years in the foster care system with troubled youth in the pharmaceutical and the biotechnology energy industries, rather, and he has worked for six years as a director of nutrition at Invite Health. And since opening up his practice in New York City in 2005, Dr. Salt-Paul has worked extensively in helping individuals manage their blood pressure and blood sugar with diet, nutrition, and exercise protocol. Uh, Dr. Salt-Paul joined a team of alternative health practitioners at the Peace Health Center in Brooklyn, New York, to help combat the growing health crisis in the inner city and particularly in the African-American community. And he has completed special training in naturopathic cardiology and has favorable results using acupuncture, homeopathy, herbs, diet, nutrition, and exercise to help patients combat their cardiovascular issues. He has conducted detoxification programs, managed a busy sliding scale acupuncture clinic, and also has used acupuncture to help numerous individuals with musculoskeletal pain as a result of traumatic injury, attrition, or some inflammatory processes. And Dr. Soapwall has also received special acupuncture oncology training from the renowned Sloan Kittering Cancer Center, which he uses in his practice to help stimulate the patient's immune system, as well as help them manage the side effects of their chemotherapy. And lastly, Dr. Salt-Paul is a licensed naturopathic physician in the state of Connecticut and a licensed acupuncturist in the state of New York. Uh, Dr. Salt-Paul enjoys music like myself, reading, weightlifting, as well as martial arts. So without any further ado at this time, I'd like to uh, invite Dr. Salt-Paul on the air and to share with us his wisdom and expertise in the area of homeopathic medicine and acupuncture. Dr. sopo are you with us? I am. I am. Hi, Baba.
1: It's uh, so wonderful being with you today, and I just want to thank you for the opportunity to. Uh, uh, and it's a blessing to be on your program.
0: Oh, well, it's a pleasure, and, and I want to thank you as well. You know, it's, uh, it's really a pleasure to have the, the opportunity to uh, talk with you whenever we do get a chance to connect with one another, and indeed, uh, I'd I like the opportunity of, of being uh, unselfish, as it were, as it were, with you being able to share the knowledge that you have, the wealth of knowledge that you have with regard to uh, uh, holistic health. And uh, I'd like to also acknowledge the fact that my wife is walking through the studio and she's joining us. How are you doing, hon? I'm doing great.
2: How are you? Oh, fantastic. Hi, Dr. Fuller. How are you?
0: Uh, It's wonderful hearing your voice.
2: Oh, it's great (laughs) hearing yours. How's the family?
1: Wonderful, wonderful. And thank you so much for asking. They're great. My daughter is uh, going to be three soon, so uh, uh, you know how that is.
0: (laughs) Is she going to be how old? She's going to be three soon.
1: Wow. Time
2: flies.
0: Doesn't it do? especially when you're having fun, right? Yeah, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so, uh, yes, Doctor, uh, we have so much that we have to cover, and I'm sure we probably can't do this in one show, but uh, what I'd like to do is just start off with you uh, sharing with the listening audience and myself and and Dora um, some aspects in terms of your, your practice. And my first question would be, uh, does the mind uh, uh, and body connection exist in Chinese medicine?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, many patients um, come to me for um, very specific kind of uh, issues that are connect to, connected to the mind or spirit, whether or not they're depressed or um, have, have suffered from some traumatic accident or, or uh, traumatic occurrence. Um, that they're kind of struggling to recover from uh, on an emotional and spiritual level. And acupuncture uh, absolutely does address that. I think there's a couple of things that come to my mind, though. Um, You know, I I think as you guys have spoken about this before in your show, and you're talking about mind-body connection, um, there was a huge disconnect at at one point in our history, um, or the history of the world, where uh, we became more, Westernized Western civilization kind of took out the whole uh, Spiritual aspect of our being kind of separated Mm -hmm. from the same thing happened in Chinese medicine after that um, Whereas Chinese medicine um, the notion of spirit and the notion of like this mind-body connection was very uh, Inherent and embedded into um, the practice of Chinese medicine and Mm -hmm. so basically Chinese medicine um, spirit is very very much in everything you know mm-hmm. it's uh it's um very much intertwined in how we understand the mind very intertwined in and in, uh nature and things like that that's how they de- that's how they developed the chinese medical system but traditional chinese medicine what we know as TCM is the new more westernized version that doesn't embrace the notion of spirit or mind and body connection as much mm-hmm. um yeah um you know when we go to school in traditional chinese medical schools we learn a very kind of westernized version of it but then you kind of you know in your practice you got to kind of look for um uh the deeper meaning of things you got to look for um those other aspects to treat uh in terms of um you know you got to you got to not focus just on the physical aspects you have to focus on uh, the mental and emotional aspects, and you have to kind of want to make that part of your practice to address that, maybe get some extra training on that, et cetera. But it's absolutely part of,
0: of, of what we do. Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting that you should mention that in terms of the connection uh, from of uh, the uh, ancient practice coming from the Chinese culture and, and their traditions. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Well, you know, I, I've um, reviewed and interviewed, actually, Dr. Amal Domasome from Burkina Faso in West Africa. And one of his books that he, uh, he published and wrote, uh, The Healing Wisdom of Africa, he touches upon what you just mentioned, but coming from an African perspective relative right. to indigenous, what he calls indigenous technologies. And it's just very interesting, and I just wanted to get your, your response or input on this in, in terms of how uh, this might impact your practice and your outlook. Uh, he says that some connection uh, is loose and completely absent as of late and in terms of what the villagers used, used to see in the physical disease, that it is simply an aftermath of something that has happened on the level of energy or relationship, and that the illness is a physical manifestation Of a spiritual decay, and then he goes on to state that uh, treating the illness in the indigenous view means conjuring up a energy that will repair the spiritual state, so that the spiritual healing can be translated into healing the physical disease. I find that to be very interesting. What do you have to say about? You know, um, what comes to my mind in
1: my practice is is like what I was alluding to before. With classical Chinese medicine, it fully embraced the spiritual aspect um, and spirit um, insults in the spirit causing physical problems as, as kind of like the primary way people got um, that disease manifested. And Mm -hmm. I think that when we learn traditional Chinese medicine now, even when we practice it, much of the focus isn't on that again, unless if you kind of uh, embrace that path yourself. And I would say in my practice, um, I would say that I do that work, but I think that I also have to have clients that are willing to to go that you know to to go to those places to allow me to to do that type of work you know you practice mm-hmm. right yourself and you know you have some people who are very open to um this, the suggestion that um their ailment could be caused on a deeper level, and you have other people who just don't want to see that or don't want to hear that at all, and so you kind of you know what i've learned is that you have to meet people where they're at. And so, but I have to 100% agree with what Mali Domasomey is saying. I'm a very big uh, uh, believer in his teachings also. I, I love him. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. I see that in my practice. And, again, what we try to do is meet people where they're at. And if, if a person is coming to me and they have um, what I think is um, a problem that I think is deeply or deeper manifested, it's, it's manifested on a different level like the spirit uh, in Chinese medicine, um, especially classical Chinese medicine, uh, part of our diagnosis and part of the way we kind of treat a person is by recognizing that and actually kind of looking at which area of the spirit the, the, um, the insult happened, whether or not it happened at the, the, the Shen, whether or not it was an insult in the heart, or it was an insult at the, uh, the Hun level, which is the liver, the Poe, um, which is the lung, or the ji, which is the kidney, or the yi, which is the spleen. And so um, this is ingrained in the teachings of Chinese medicine, that spirit and insults to the spirit can happen at all of those levels. And mm-hmm. so um, absolutely, this is what I'm looking for. And how you, how you assess that and diagnose it, you kind of like look at a person's body, you uh, feel their pulse, you ask them questions about their history. you ask them questions about when they started getting sick. you know um you look at their eyes, you try to kind of um uh look at their the the clarity in their eyes, the clarity of their speech, whether or not the, they're coherent and this all gives you information about where the insult in the spirit uh actually occurs you know what um you, you know you also want to look at what um and I think most people probably know this if they've experienced Chinese medicine before. Like, what uh, emotions are the predominant emotions that a person is feeling in the moment? For instance, mm-hmm. if a person's coming to you and they're really uh, just angry and upset about stuff, uh, then you know that the, the insult to the spirit happened at the level of the Hun or it's, it's attacking the liver. And so, this is the organ that we would primarily treat when we see someone. Uh, who we find has uh, that manifestation of the insult, just angry and upset over something, mm-hmm. whether or not it's happening, uh, uh, it, it happened yesterday, if it happened 20 years ago. You know, you have people carrying around this anger that's making them ill on many different levels, making them ill on a physical level. Um, but we know that through this type of diagnosis, we can see that the, the insult actually happened at the level of the spirit, which is what we primarily treat.
3: Well,
0: that's that's interesting. You know, I I just thought about as you were sharing what what you mentioned regarding the level of spirit because, it, it just I'd like to segue even to uh, to the area that I think would be very fascinating to the listening audience and for us to just you know remind ourselves how we met. Um, initially, we met as a result of uh, Milo Doma being a guest at, at my wife Dora and I and I, he was a guest at our home for about five days and. And he was doing divinations. And one of his clients happened to be a, um, a, a classmate of yours. And um, I shared with, um, with his name. Of I, happens to be Chris, by the way, also, right? <laughs> right, Chris. Sure. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I, I approached Chris. You know, we, we seemed to hit it off pretty well, you know, a, a, as we met and got to talk. And I shared with them... Um, I don't know how it, 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 I was inclined. I guess he told me that he was a, a, a doctor in a naturopathic doctor like yourself. And I explained to him that uh, Dora had uh, issues with uh, diabetes and that she was, you know, uh, we were on a, a, um, a course of healing, self-healing through naturopathic and holistic methodology. And he says, well, you know, uh, I'd like to definitely be able to refer you to a friend of mine and and former classmate his name is chris as well and then he gave me your number and of course uh, the rest is is our story as it were right and you got a chance to talk with dora on the phone and why don't i just give the um the mic to her and let her share <laughs> with the listening audience uh what occurred after that
2: well one thing uh one thing led to the next we made an appointment to see dr saltpaw mm-hmm. and he uh He gave me quite an extensive um, packet of information and what I liked about it, it was designed specifically for me. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you might go to a practitioner and they might give you information, but it's a photocopy of something and you know they give it to everyone. But this information was tailored specifically to my needs, to my body type. To my age, to my personality, to the fact that I'm vegetarian yeah. it it was awesome <laughs> it was so cool, okay uh, uh. and uh, I did follow I did follow the instructions mm-hmm. and the recommendations, and uh let's see it's now two thousand and fourteen, so I guess what is it three years later
3: mm-hmm. I'm yeah. still
2: medicine free, and my wow. blood sugar numbers aren't exactly normal, like between 80 and 120, but they're low enough that I don't need medicine. And, uh, you know, it's just awesome. I've, I've lost, you know, I'm still losing weight. I've lost quite a bit of weight. I'm still losing weight, but in a healthy way, because mm. the weight is coming off Slowly, and you know, now I'm almost into single-digit clothing, and that's so cool. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's where I was, you know, yes, that, that, that's where I was 20 years ago, absolutely. basically. And and I just feel really, really good, and that's what it's all about. But I'm just, I'm just so thrilled to, uh, I'm just so thrilled that on the show, um, Baba, that you're making, that you and you and Dr. Salt are making reference to the mind-body spirit connection because mm-hmm. you know that I'm I'm so totally into that philosophy that I even analyze myself. Even if I get, you know, a cold or a backache or whatever, I'm first looking at what is the spiritual cause of this. If mm-hmm. my back is hurting, mm-hmm. which as you know it was, you know, a week ago, it's much better now, thank yeah. God. But you know, mm-hmm. I identified that I was stressing over finances. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that there's a book that I refer to a lot, which I love. It's called You Can Heal Your Life, or You Can Heal Yourself, rather, by Louise Hay. Yes. And she breaks down different medical conditions based on what the spiritual root mm-hmm. of that condition can be. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because she does describe backaches as, you know, issues with, you know, financial financial concerns. Mm-hmm. And I made the connection, and what happens almost miraculously with this homeopathic uh, homeopathic study and application is, once, at least for me, once I can identify the spiritual cause, I immediately start healing, and I haven't even done anything else yet. Yes. But absolutely. I've identified the spiritual reason, and then I start feeling better. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. But I could talk all night, so I'm done, but thank no, you no, so no, much. No, 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 that's
3: fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm looking
2: forward to share more. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, Dr. Sokol, uh, uh-huh. she, she might prove to be a prime example in terms of the uh, uh, how it's advantageous to have someone who's already spiritually um, uh, motivated and, and uh, elevated uh, with Dora being a, a, a minister as well as a priestess and, and having that facility. I think this made your job quite a bit easy, you know, very easy. Oh, yeah, you know, I've,
1: I've always said um, with Dora, um, you know, when she came to me, I, I knew right away it wasn't going to be any problem for her to get better. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you, you, you both do the type of work that I do, so you know that, uh, you know, you can tell someone something and you can give them this information but they're the ones doing all of the work, and you can just be there to help guide them a little bit and coach them a little bit. That's mm-hmm. um, really all you do. you know, That's really all I do. You know, I have, I have some knowledge, and I'm going to give it to you, but you're going to do all of the work. So um, it was really easy for Dora. She just, she just uh, took it, absorbed it, um, and ran with it and is now able to, to teach other people um, probably much more effectively than I can because she's actually had to do it you know she's lived it and so um that's what i admire so much about her is that um you know um you know from the very beginning i knew that she was going to be dynamite and that she was just going to get better and i think that um again i've told you this before that uh having patients like her uh, you know it, it makes me look really, really good. <laughs> <You> know,
2: <laughs> but he could do that on his own without patience. He, he's still, yeah. He has the knowledge, and he, he knows what he's doing. Yes, people indeed. are you know, tired of getting substandard.
1: To, and they're going to take it, and they're going to say, well, they're going to do half of what you say, and then come back and not get better, and then they go tell other people that, well, <laughs> I didn't get better because I did his work. You know, I, I saw this doctor. I didn't get better. But it's just like, well, you did – Twenty percent of what I told you to do, you know. Um,
3: <laughs> we'll you know what I'm saying? That. It makes
1: <laughs> a difference to have someone who's committed to their own health, and uh, and you know we all wish to have patients like that. Again, you got to meet people where you're at. Fedora is one of those people who you you know uh, you know uh, as a as a healer as a as a health professional, you um, just love to see them walking through your door because you know they're going to make you look good. So, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yes, well, well can I, I just do, ask Chris sure, a question, sure. Doctor
2: Salt. For do you believe that any medical condition, that any disease, can be reversed and cured? I'm just curious.
1: To some degree, I, I do believe that. I feel that. Um, you know, I was recently had this patient who um, had the uh, two patients I'm thinking about when you asked that question that come to my mind. And I have a patient that came to me with stage 5 kidney disease, and that's, you know, you're really, really far gone. And I've done done everything that I could do in my power to help this person, and I don't really know if they're going to be okay. And so I think it depends on the degree at which you have um, progressed to your illness, where I think sometimes you get to the point where maybe there's no back, or you, or maybe perhaps you need to get somebody that's much more skilled than me to guide you than me to guide you, whereas whereas I think that when you get to some, some places with like cancer, I had a patient who had um, was diagnosed with cancer recently, and um, they just had back pain, and they went in and they found the cancer had spread all over their body, that and was uh, it was so bad that when they went to Sloan-Kettering, um, the people at Sloan-Kettering said, well, you know, if we give you chemo, it's just going to kill you, and we've really got nothing for you. And so she came to me, and it was like, well, uh, what do you do? And so we tried with herbs and things like that. I really don't know at this point because I feel like um, with with something that that's far gone, it's going to be difficult to get it back. You know, I believe in miracles, and sometimes I think that when you're that far gone, um, you may need more of a miracle worker, which I do believe exists, and I don't believe that that's me. I think that um uh you know what what I like to do is I like to get people before they get to the point where they're really that broken down and debilitated, and we can bring them back and I would say yes to that if you're at the place where you um haven't broken down so 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 much right
3: mm-hmm. um
1: To answer your question, I don't know if I'm I'm, I'm making sense here, but
3: to answer your question,
1: I would say yes, but it depends on the degree and to the the depth of your illness. I think sometimes it's gone so deep that you need, um, maybe maybe not me, maybe you need more of a spiritual-type healing or something deeper, um, deeper acting than what I can give you. So, um,
0: yeah. Great you, know, you definitely answered the question
1: in, in more ways than one, mm-hmm. and that's really appreciated yeah, well I mean that's a very important question. I was uh reading some studies recently on um cardiovascular disease, and um you know, I just find it so interesting that you asked this question because someone asked me yesterday, well, you know you know my my arteries are clogged up and things like that, and you know i 've got a history of um uh, myocardial infarctions are, are heart attacks in my family, and we have heart disease. And this is, this is an African-American person, so we've, we, you know, us in the African-American community, we've heard this story before. And, um, and they asked me, well, how do you, you know, is there a way I can, like, reverse this? Well, how do you do it? And I think there's been some studies that have come out recently that said, well, it, really the only way that you can do it is an all-plant-based diet, all-vegetarian diet, but you've mm-hmm. got to be strictly vegetarian, you know, me. Um, none of that, and you can reverse um, heart disease if it's not too far gone. You know, you can, you can, if there's plaque in your arteries, if you've got swelling in your arteries, you can reverse that with diet alone. And so I say that to say that I think that, again, th- there are many of these types of conditions that we could deal with and that we can reverse. So, yes, I believe it. I believe
0: that. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember years ago when Phil Donahue had a show and was dealing with cancer, patients, and they uh, made a, um, um, an experiment, if not a study, with adult cancer patients versus children. And they found that the children were more able to reverse their cancer, to heal faster, if not more so, than the adults were because of the fact that their minds are, are more clear. They don't have the, 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 the uh, what do you call it, the litter you know, and, and confusion in their mind. It's not that inner chatter. They can wow. focus. And, um, and then um, fast forward, uh, about a month ago, Wayne Dyer was on uh, PBS, and he introduced his daughter, and she had a, a I forgot what illness she had. Do you remember, honey? Um,
2: Wayne Dyer's daughter? Yes. Okay. We watched a couple of the authors, and one of them, it was The Eyesight.
0: Right. Yes. But that
2: wasn't Wayne Dyer. That was Dr. Brian Weiss.
0: Okay, Dr. Brian Weiss, you're right. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was Dr. Brian Weiss, another uh, great doctor uh, and healer. But his, his uh, daughter had a, a blind disorder, an uh, eye disorder, and she just uh, decided that she was going to use a, mo- a method of making friends with the disease, and saying, "Look, I love you. I, you know, I embrace you, but you cannot." reside in my body. You have to leave. <laughs> you you know, wow. like And uh, she, shortly thereafter, within a matter of days...
2: It was three days, I think. Three days. Yes.
0: Yeah, the, she got rid of that disease. Wow. So what does that say? A lot depends on, even though a patient might come to you to be healed, they might not believe that they can get well. Right. right. So a lot of it has to do with, do you believe in it wholeheartedly? you know, to, to your deepest uh, levels of your, of your consciousness.
2: And you have to be determined.
0: And be determined and not give up.
2: Because not for nothing, not to cut you off, mm-hmm. but I know that the reason that I healed was, and I tell this story all the time, mm-hmm. I know that I could not live my life having to inject myself with insulin every day. I would rather die. And I say that without reservation. That's not for me. I couldn't do it. So I knew that I had only one option, and that was to heal. And I didn't know how long it would take, and I didn't know that I would reverse the diabetes so quickly. But all I knew was that for me, there's absolutely no way that I could live my life sticking needles in my body every day. So you have to have that determination. And if you're that determined, I don't care what you have. You will heal. Absolutely. So we have,
0: uh, uh, we're approaching a, uh, a portion of the program that we want to take a break. But before we do that, Dr. Soppa, I'd like you to share with the listening audience how one can get in touch with you if they would like to um, have your services rendered to them.
1: Absolutely. So I'll give you my telephone number first. It's uh, 917-837-6722, and I'll give you my email address, and that's uh, Dr. Sawpaw, so it's D as in dog, R as in Ralph. Sawpaw, my last name, S-A-L-T-P-A-W, at gmail.com. Um, so those would be the two best ways of contacting me. I'm, um, I practice here in Peekskill, New York, um, which is northwest Chester and in Manhattan. And, uh, and um, yeah, you can see me at any of those places, either of those places.
0: And you're also open to making house visits. um, Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, usually how that works is that if uh, the days that I'm in New York City, um, you know, uh, typically if I have time on the schedule and if um, I can fit a house call in, I'll definitely do it. Um, So I'm driving and on the road a lot and taking subways and things like that, but Mm -hmm. I'm definitely willing to do that. And so um, just just reach out for me, contact me if you need me, and I'll get right back to you.
0: And I must add, do you also have a sliding scale, you indicated, Absolutely, I I do.
1: The reason being is that, you know, I think that one of the problems that really um, uh, uh, I I had in school was that doing this training I realized that most of the time this medicine is for the well and the wealthy, you know. Mm
3: -hmm. And so
1: I want that to be part of of what I did or what I saw. And so I've always opened my practice up to folks who, you know, we're wealthy, but um, also people who weren't. You know, and so um, that's why the sliding scale exists, um, so that I can accommodate all people um, and try to meet people where they're at.
0: Wonderful. Well, everyone, stay tuned, and we'll be back with you a momentarily. celebrities, and professional athletes are raving about, Chia Vida. Chia Vida is a unique blend of premium exotic fruits and botanicals like acai berry, which is called also the wine of the Amazon, and Yerba Mati tea, the beverage of the gods from the Brazilian rainforest, which is the national drink of four South American countries. This drink is designed to enhance whole body wellness, to bolster the immune system, to quickly increase energy and to support weight management by bolsting metabolism and controlling appetite, and it assists in leveling one's blood sugar, just to mention a few of its benefits. Within minutes of drinking just one or two ounces, Chia Vita delivers a surge of smooth, sustained energy that lasts for hours, not minutes. Along with the greater mental clarity and focus and a feeling of calmness and well-being, This is an energy drink that provides a surge without the sugar rush, without the jitters, and without the crash and burn and harmful side effects that many other products can produce. Chia Vita is a natural, delicious, functional health beverage that most people feel results the very first time that they try it. And subsequently, they want to drink it over and over again. Like myself and my wife, we've been drinking this juice for a few years. I'm sorry, actually, for a few years with another product, that has acai berry, but this particular product we've been drinking for a few months. So I recommend that you go to my website, which is healthisalwayswealth.com. I repeat that. That's healthisalwayswealth.com. Or you can call directly at 888-338-2508. I repeat that's 888-338-2508. Back again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have a special guest on our show, Dr. Chris Saltpaw, a uh, renowned um, uh, homeopathic, naturopathic, uh, holistic doctor. and uh, we've been having a great time speaking with him for the last half an hour, and we look forward to uh, continuing the show with him, educating us and really uh, informing us about how to uh, take care of our bodies, mind and spirit. Dr. Saul Paul, yes, uh, again, we've been having a, a great time in discussing the aspects of, uh, of your practice and, and your findings, and one of the things that I wanted to just share with you is the fact that uh, my wife and I have been consuming the aloe vera plant for uh, a number of years, and it's been on and off, and just recently we started using it again in the last week or so. And um, we both have been dealing with uh, um, having favorable results from the consumption of it in terms of our overall feeling of well-being. And then uh, my wife even actually she had a sty. Maybe she can explain it to you. And then we'd like to get your feedback on that.
2: So, well, Doctor Doctor there's so many uses of the owl plant. My my only concern was if there were any contraindications. So what I've googled on the internet. I don't really see any, but one thing that I one thing I can tell you is that if I eat well, I'm eating like I guess the equivalent of a teaspoonful, if you would, of the aloe vera plant. So I just cut a small piece off and it tastes real bad as you know, but you know, who cares? It's good for you, right? And I just eat that and I notice it makes your blood sugar drop like really fast. That stuff is so cool. So since I'm eating that I'm not taking any supplements because I don't want my blood sugar to go, you know, lower than it needs to. But the aloe is really good, but it also does other things. I had a big sty on my eye the other day and I took just a little bit of the aloe vera gel on my fingertip and applied it to the sty and went to bed and the next morning the sty was gone. So it seems like this this strange-looking plant has a multitude of uses.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. and so aloe's been uh, very connected to digestive health, skin health, um, you know as you know, health of our hair, our teeth um, so it actually has chemicals in it that help to stimulate digestion and when I think part of what your question was also is that you kind of googled some kind of side effects and things like that. What I like to tell people who ask that question to me is whether or not this thing that I'm taking has side effects, or whether or not this thing that i'm that thing that I'm taking has any um uh, contraindications or side effects is I think that everything that we take could possibly have a side effect if you take it in really high doses. And mm. so I, um, that said, I feel like when you're taking something like that, you just got to be conscious of how much you're taking. Uh, and the side effects don't don't stack up, you know, if you're comparing it to like what the pharmaceutical drugs do. And oh, so okay. um, I think that uh, the aloe has this drawing action where it kind of helps to um, uh, draw out infection and mm-hmm. there's other herbs and things like that to do that but aloe is really good at that especially so if you have something like a sty, and it's also very um, uh, anti-bacterial uh, or, or anti-fungal uh, in, in some of its properties and so um, I think that at that level it can really help with the sty. And again, I think one of its main actions is working on the gut, and I always prescribe it for people who have issues with gut, their gut, if they're constipated or if they're, um, we're, we're trying to do some gut healing type of thing, um, or if they've got leaky gut or if they've got irritable um, bowel syndrome or if they've got a condition like um, acid reflux and they're burning the inside of their gut. And it's very mm-hmm. soothing to the gut, very nurturing to the gut. And so, to my knowledge, that's where Halo, uh is at its best. It's when it's working in the gut, and I definitely think that it's got lots and lots of other potential. That's uh, that's definitely untapped. I use it actually a lot in my practice.
2: Oh, wow. wonderful! Okay, so we just vibed right <laughs> into <laughs> that because we <laughs> bought a piece this week, and
0: uh, a little we... synchronicity
1: yeah. going there, huh?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Doctor Sopor? Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, I, I was just saying there's a little synchronicity happening here. Absolutely,
3: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right.
0: Uh, I have a, a, another thought in, in mind with regard to uh, uh, food proteins. Could you explain to, um, and not only that, also uh, food causing uh, certain psychological, if not mind, issues. Could you share with the listening audience um, a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's been a lot of... Uh... Studies and talk, as you know, um, recently about like uh, autism and um, uh, psychological, neurological conditions, and the potential of it being connected to what we're eating. And so they've recently done some studies on two food groups or two food proteins. And you know, as you know, gluten is uh, highly um, um, despised these days, right? And so lots of people are going around being gluten gluten intolerant and on no-gluten no diets and things like that, and for good reason. And gluten is the protein that we find in um, wheat primarily, but it's in other grains. Um, and it's been connected to, to um, uh, having opioid-like effects or morphine-like effects um, on the brain. And so what that actually does is if you've got a digestive tract that is uh, broken down, um, and your digestive tract can get broken down for a lot of different reasons, But the primary reason is what you're putting in your gut. And so, um, like we're talking about with aloe, and that's why I also think it's synchronous and it's a good segue, is that um, I think aloe heals a lot of broken down guts. And so if you've been eating like a bad diet, and if you've been having like um, uh, issues with your gut, like acid and bloating, or um, constipation and diarrhea, this this kind of alternating, uh, alternating cycle between constipation and diarrhea, acid reflux, inflammation in your gut. It eventually over over time it would lead to something called leaky gut. And so um these food proteins have been known to slip through your gut. And sometimes people in western medicine don't accept that, but this this whole theory but it's becoming a, a much more acceptable uh, even to western medicine medical doctors. And um these proteins slipping into your gut can do a number of different things. Uh, slipping through your gut into your bloodstream can do a number of different things. One of the things that we know that it, it, it does is it kind of gets your immune system all aggravated and riled up. And so they say that it's actually one of the causes of autoimmune diseases. Um, it causes inflammation in different parts of your body, including your brain. And um, I think that that's another interesting thing is that um, these types of foods, these irritating types of foods to your gut, and uh, um, like gluten and casein, um, they don't only have the ability to break down the the, the, the protective layer um, that your gut has, the the, the protective layer that separates um, foods, um, keeps foods in your your gut versus having them slip into your bloodstream. They also break down a protective layer called the blood-brain barrier, and so um, the blood-brain barrier is what keeps um, these proteins from slipping through. Um, to, uh, to your brain tissue, to your nerve tissue. And mm-hmm. so um, these tissues, these foods actually can break down the blood-brain blood, blood barrier in such a way that it allows them to permeate the blood-brain barrier and impact your brain. How it does this is really interesting. I think that there's a couple theories, and one of them is, um, was uh, recently elaborated by this doctor from um, University of Maryland, believe it or not. And he found that there's a chemical that's secreted in your blood when you eat um casein and gluten in foods like that. Like a lot of the um the foods that we know that people react to. And the name of the chemical is this chemical called zonulin. And uh zonulin, the more of it that you have in your body, the more permeable your your, your membranes are. Your especially the like the blood brain barrier membrane, the membrane that kind of regulates what goes in and out and goes to and can get to the brain. Um and so it increases the level of zonulin you have in your blood, and so that makes your these membranes more permeable to those types of proteins. And so <clears throat> those foods that they're finding to be uh, really deleterious, really bad, and causing these kind of morphine-like effects because um, you have these kind of m- morphine receptors on your brain, and these foods can kind of fit right into those receptors and cause the same types of, uh, opioid-like uh, symptoms or morphine-like symptoms of dazed and confused and causing this inflammation on your brain. And so they're seeing that, again, a lot with, um, for instance, uh, kids who have autism or kids who have ADD um, and things like that. And in fact, they've done this study where they're comparing the brains of uh, 33 patients. Basically, they did the MRIs of uh, 33 patients who Um, were diagnosed with celiac disease. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, basically the the people came in with, like, some neurological issues like uh, imbalance, um, headaches, sensory loss, and things like that. And uh, they compared the MRIs to those, uh, the the celiac uh, brains versus the brains of the people who don't have it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the difference was astonishing. And the celiac people continue to eat this kind of food and things like that, and they are celiac because um, you know, um, because a lot of the people have celiac disease for a lot of different reasons, and it's not because they eat gluten. Celiac people just tend to react to gluten, but these these group of celiac people were eating gluten, and they found that their brains had um, uh, were markedly uh, smaller, almost thirty three percent smaller in the cerebellum, which is at the base of the skull, um, and that controls motor function primarily, but some other different functions. And so, I think mm-hmm. that that's very telling that that um, that type of condition can impact your brain that heavy and that deeply. Um, mm. So, yeah, absolutely, there, there are foods, and we're learning more and more about this and how our foods um, are oftentimes uh, toxic to our bodies, and we have to really figure out which, which ones they are and um, to eliminate them. And like we were talking about earlier about some of the other foods uh, that we're eating, um, and how they don't only affect your brain, but they affect other areas in your body, um, like, uh, um, you know, um, j- just uh, the sugars that we eat, and, like the white sugars and like aspartame that's in our drinks and things like that, and these are neurotoxins.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: there's lots of examples of like these types of, uh, of, of chemicals that are uh, introduced um, to our bodies uh, through the foods that we're eating. And so absolutely, yeah. Mhm.
0: And, and this becomes even more exacerbated if you're dealing with uh people who are drinking alcohol. And, oh, absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, uh
1: alcohol di- directly impacts certain areas in your brain. Um and, and we know that, you know, we know that um without a shadow of a doubt. And so yes, uh it it is actually exacerbated by that.
0: Mhm. As well as uh, eating meat or not eating meat that 's properly treated or meat that 's contaminated with preservatives and etc cetera, et yeah. et cetera yeah, I, I believe that
1: you know I think that there's a lot to be um, we still have a lot to learn about that you know um, mm-hmm. because uh, I, you know I feel like the the issue with meat oftentimes is the quality of the uh, fat that you're getting from the meat and also like whether or not it's, horm- uh, you know, whether or not it's loaded up with hormones um, or the other types of chemicals that they have in it to, um, you know, increase its size and make their product yield better. So, um, you know, I, 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 there, there is science around um, how these different types of hormones and whether or not you have antibiotics in, in the types of meats that you're eating, how it impacts you. And so I think that that is very, very important to, to also note and consider um, that these are chemicals that definitely, and we don't really have much, much evidence and much proof of it, but we're starting to find out more and more as we're, um, you know, as we're industrializing uh, more and more of our food supply how uh, impactful these things are on our brain. And I think just simply, uh, if you have bad fats in your diet, it's going to cause inflammation, systemic inflammation, all over your body. And one of the things they know about children, for instance, who are autistic, is that that's one of the kind of um, characteristics that you see throughout children who are autistic is this kind of brain inflammation is one Mm -hmm. of the key signatures of it, that there's inflammation, Um, whether it happened because someone was given uh, uh, um, a vaccination, uh, could have been a trigger, or... um, having a virus or some kind of cold or where they're they a sick fetus, but we know that mm-hmm. there's some kind of inflammation that's connected to it, and we know that diet is a part of that. And so, um, yes, absolutely, with the meats that we eat, but it's the grains also, you know, and even some of the vegetables. If we're talking about the um, uh, side-ridden vegetables, uh, vegetables that are uh, GMO, you know, mm-hmm. there's, lots, there's lots to, to, to uh, understand and learn from this. And like I was talking... Uh you know, we were we were talking a little bit earlier today about um almonds and um this uh you know, um and raw almonds and the pasteurization of almonds takes takes place um or happens in two ways. You can um chemically pasteurize it and all almonds are supposed to be pasteurized now. That's why um about a couple of years ago, I don't know if you all are familiar with this, but in Trader Joe's they pulled all of the raw almonds off the shelf because uh, the FDA or whoever controls the food in the country decided that all almonds had to be pasteurized, and so they had to pull them all off the shelf because someone got sick. And so there's two ways to pasteurize almonds now. You chemically pasteurize it or you steam pasteurize it.
3: Mm-hmm. The chemical
1: that they're using is this chemical called PPO, um, and I believe it's it's uh, polypropylene oxide. Um, I may be wrong on that, but I believe that that's what it is. And um, there's some some studies that link this to cancer. There's some studies that say that this is a neurotoxin, and it's something that they're using to pasteurize our, our, um, our almonds. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's also people who say it's, it's, it's um, harm, harm, harmless, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I think, I think that there's still a lot to learn about this, that our almonds mm-hmm. are chemically pasteurized. So what I've been telling a lot of my patients recently is that even to that level where you're trying to, you know, there's lots of folks who are eating very, very clean diets, but you have to be very conscious of everything, how the, how the product, how the um, the plant is grown, the growing conditions. If it's pasteurized, how are they pasteurizing it? If it's, uh, you know, if it's grown in a certain way, um, if, you're, if you're getting fish, where is it caught? Is it sustainably caught? Is it caught in the wild? Is it farmed? Is it... Is it caught in the Pacific Ocean versus the Atlantic Ocean because some people have concerns over Fukushima, and if you 're getting Pacific salmon, some people are saying, "Well, oh, uh, the salmon is coming out bleeding and it's and it's full of chemicals from Fukushima so there's mm-hmm. lots of lots of these types of concerns and things that we are still a bit unclear about, and um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and so I would definitely say that um, just be really conscious and try to uh uh, get yourself as informed about the types of foods that you're putting in your body, and and uh, and you know, not subscribing to a diet, but just subscribing to quality food that you're putting in your body. So yes, absolutely, I believe that uh, uh, foods and the food food proteins that we're getting in our body definitely impacts us on many different
0: levels. Yes, well, I know you mentioned something about even you uh, having a an inkling a liking of sardines and that you found out that you just can't buy sardines randomly uh, from the can because uh, certain cans are, are not really suitable, if you will.
1: Right, right. And so this is a big thing for me, right? And so I, for years, you know, I've I'm, I'm been doing this since 2005, and I've been kind of into health for, for very, very long, and I have this uh, diet where in the mornings, you know, I'm, I like to eat my, my organic vegetables and I have a protein, you know. I, I even mm-hmm. think that I talk. Dora about this, um, where, you know, um, part, of, part of what we do to manage blood sugar is by having carbo- carbohydrate-scarce um, um, vegetables, you know, vegetables are carbo- carbohydrates, but you, take ve- you eat vegetables that don't have a lot of carbohydrate in them, and you eat protein, and it helps to stabilize your blood sugar, and, it, mm-hmm. and it, lots of good things, and so there's lots of good things to, in, in sardines, and so it's one of the things that I do for breakfast. Uh, pretty religiously, I would say five out of seven days a week. And so um, it turns out that um, the, how they're canned is that the can, the lining of the can has plastic um, and, and lots of them. And it's a, and, uh, a chemical from the plastic is called BPA.
3: And a BPA
1: has been connected to prostate cancer, but but more so breast cancer.
3: Um, oh, God. And so
1: to that level, you have to be conscious of, how the foods that you're eating are packaged, you know. And so now uh, I buy sustainably caught BPA-free canned sardines. Um, And so, you know, you just really have to be careful and conscious of what you're eating.
0: Right. Well, I think I've told you time and time again that I have been off and on and off and on with vegetarianism uh, for some some 40-plus years. And now it's going on about 26 years that I've been completely vegetarian. Even though I do eat some meat products, I do, you know, eat cheese and and drink um, – no, I actually I drink almond milk as opposed to um, milk from the cow. Um, and some breads, you know, have uh, animal pro- products in them. Um, but for the most part, I'm, you know, completely vegetarian, um, not eating any type of substance of meat. And Dora is as well. She's going on, I think, seven years or eight years now.
2: About eight years.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's something. And, I, and also, you know, that I'm a marathon runner. I ran 14 New York marathons and training for my 15th marathon um, for 2015. And But I ran just recently ran into a, a post on Facebook from a young lady who happens to be an expert in, in nutrition and and uh, physical exercise, uh, even training Olympic uh, competitors. And she, the article stated that if you run marathons, that that's not healthy for the body from a, a, a skeletal uh, perspective, as well as um, uh, injury of the heart in terms of tissue and so forth. And there's a host of other um, deficits that one can experience from running long distance. Um, could you share with me your thoughts about that, how exercise um, can be uh, a facilitator for optimum health or is that a detriment?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, I'm, I'm really big into exercise. And so um, and so I think, um, first of all, to answer the question about how uh, marathoners and marathon running is detrimental, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that that's the truth. I think that uh, is, is entirely true. I think that when you prepare for an event like that, um, you don't run 26 miles every day to prepare for the event. You're kind of, you know, you're cycling. You're kind of um, running five miles, and then you're running 10, and then you're, okay. you're running five miles. And ten. so you're, you're working up to something, and I think that that's very healthy. But I think the day of the event, I think it is a push on the body, and it is a stress to the body. Now, I believe that there's ways that most people who do marathon running are very familiar with to help prevent that. Otherwise, you you know, it's difficult for you to finish if you're not doing that type of um, preventative, um, making sure that you're hydrated correctly, that you have enough fuel in your body and you're fueling yourself along the way. You're taking antioxidants so that you decrease your oxidation uh, to the body. Um, And so definitely at that level, I feel like if you're you're doing like an extreme – type of event like a marathon, and if you're not kind of um, protecting yourself the day of the event, then um, I I think it could be a little bit deleterious. But I think in training for a marathon, which is what I believe you're talking about, it's probably Mm -hmm. a very healthy thing. Now, that said, I feel that um, uh, there are different, you know, exercise, I think, in general, done the right way is probably one of the best things that you can do. Um, and I tell all of my people who have blood sugar issues, this. I told Dora this. It's going to be very difficult for you to manage your blood sugar if you're not going to exercise. I you know.
3: know.
1: <laughs> but exercise fell it- off the wagon. <laughs> What's that?
2: I said I know because I had fallen off the wagon with the exercise, uh-huh. and my numbers started going back up. And then I started exercising, and they went back down.
1: As, as, you know, as you know, I mean, that's a perfect example. but It's just hard to do. And yeah. so um, I think that what's, what would be, how to answer the question, I feel like you have to do the right type of exercise for whatever condition you're trying to manage, or you have to do the right type of exercise for you. And so I think that that takes some time figuring out. I feel that, in general, a combination of um, uh, aerobic exercise maybe 30, maybe 20 to 30 minutes three days a week and some kind of interval um, or high intensity kind of interval training with weights uh, three days a week for like 30 minutes is probably the most probably the best type of, of way to exercise um, you know um, people find many different ways to get that in and I think that that's great um, and so I'm I'm a big believer in exercise Um, where it becomes bad again is I think is, you know, the intensity of the exercise if you're, if you're pushing yourself too hard. Um, number two, if you're exercising in environments that are not, uh, clean, like I, um, was just reading this study recently and I, you know, I go to work on Sundays and I drive down the West Side Highway and I always see people like running on the West Side Highway. Um, you know, on that, that path that's, uh, right on the Hudson River, um, you know, you see all of those joggers out Sunday morning and they're running down, running down the West Side Highway um, right along the river, and it looks so beautiful, and sometimes I envy them because I'm on my way to work while they're <laughs> out, like, getting it in and really exercising. And so yeah. I was just reading this study um, recently, and it said that um, the damage that you cause to your heart if you exercise in, a, in an urban environment uh, outweighs the benefit that you get from the exercise. So it's because of the diesel fuel that you're inhaling and how this Mm -hmm. causes inflammation in your arteries. And so you have to think about that too. And this is Mm -hmm. also what I'm saying. I'm doing a detoxification class um, uh, this Friday and this Sunday, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit, um, about exercising and living in an urban environment and inhaling all the diesel fuels and inhaling all the chemicals and things like that. Mm-hmm. And even to that level, you especially if you're involved in aerobic exercising, you really have to kind of fortify yourself with, like, lots of antioxidants to protect yourself from the oxidation that's happening and it's going to occur in your coronary arteries and in the arteries and in the blood vessels in your heart.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, again, to stress that, I, I'm just saying that uh, I feel like environment is really important, where you exercise, um, how strenuous you exercise, um, and whether or not you're doing an exercise that's right for you, um, if it fits your body, if it's the type of exercise that your body likes, basically.
3: Okay. And so I
1: think those things are important when you're considering um, um, the pros and cons and benefits of exercise. And that, and, and just in general, if you're going to exercise, um, and if you're exercising a little bit intense, and if you're in an urban environment or environment that's not real clean, You just gotta, and if that's your only option, you really just gotta fortify yourself with lots of of antioxidants and things like that uh, to help protect from the the damages of what you're inhaling and the uh, the extra stress that you're putting on your body.
0: So ideally, one should go to a wooded area, your community park, if you will. You know, like here in New
1: York City. Or you know, know? I think to some degree that that probably doesn't even exist anymore because I think that. you know, uh, anywhere you, where you go, to some degree, your air is going to be contaminated. But I feel like if you're jogging along the West Side Highway during rush hour, you know, even though you're next to the river, that's not the best place to be.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I think it's, it, yeah. it, it's degraded. It's It's two degrees.
0: Mm-hmm. I heard that, uh, like, in the morning, if, I used to run in Prospect Park. That's my regular training. Uh, and I used to meet my friends and co-runners. Uh, early in the morning, about sometimes 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And they had what you call the dew that's in the air and the the positive eons and so forth, you know. Right. And I don't know if it was our imagination, but we actually felt uh, more uh, more, uh, energized and exhilarated uh, during the mornings, those runs, as opposed to, you know, during the afternoon or evening. So uh, it's a lot to say. But, you know, we're coming close to the end of the show. Uh, so much more that we can talk about. But before, I have one uh, last, or one or two last questions that perhaps you can just go over briefly, and maybe the next time you're on, we can get more in-depth. And uh, sure. that's regarding probiotics and uh, the effect of probiotics on the overall body, uh, primarily uh, brain, brain chemistry and hormones. And then also, if you could talk briefly about how the heart plays into this as well.
1: Right, right. And so um, I think probiotics, uh, when we talk about probiotics, we're talking about bacteria uh, that's found in your digest- that digestive tract, and I think that they're really essential for life. Um, <clears throat> uh, your, our good bacteria our bacteria helps us to digest our food. We produce essential vitamins. Process and eliminate, we process and eliminate um, uh, chemicals and hormones. Um, actually, many studies now show that um, the overgrowth of bacteria in our gut, or what's called dysbiosis, is connected to conditions like IBS, poor sleep, depression, and um, other behavior-modifying types of um, or types of diseases that are um, show modified behavior.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I studies even are showing now that in early development, um, these this bacteria in your gut affects the wiring of your nerves in the stress system, and so mm-hmm. if have good balance of bacteria when you're a fetus, the way that you react to stress is going to be a lot different. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and according to recent studies, um, these these beneficial bacteria affect the brain um, by reducing stress, anxiety, and depression. So, taking probiotics, especially if you know if you have a, for instance, like if there's like a, new, a newborn child that uh, um, has has been diagnosed with some kind of issue with the gut taking probiotics actually helps, and it helps uh, on many different levels. Uh, in addition to that, uh, and it's one of the things that I prescribe to folks who I feel like have this connection where their gut's bad and also they're, uh, they're having, like, mood issues or depression and things like that. And so I think that the second part of your question, and we're getting into kind of like the co gut-brain connection here, and I, I believe that there is a mind-body connection between a gut and a brain, um the, the second part of it I think was uh hormones and and, and uh chemistry and I, I think that specifically um what I think of when I think of that is that there are about thirty different neurotransmitters or neuropeptides that exist in both the brain and the the uh, and, and the uh the gut mm-hmm. and uh dopamine glutamate serotonin norepinephrine nitric oxide uh they're all Um, existing in both. Uh, One of them that I think most of us are familiar with is serotonin. And that's important in uh, helping muscles contract um, in our digestive system, but it's also commonly considered like a uh, a hormone that's related to mood. So you take serotonin uh, or 5-HTP supplementally and it affects your mood. It helps your sleep and things like that. And so interestingly enough, research has shown that uh, dieters, Uh, people who are on these kind of crash diets tend to become depressed and constipated about two weeks into a diet.
3: Mm. And that's
1: right around the time that their serotonin levels have dropped. So low calorie dieting can lead to, like, decreases in serotonin production and fewer serotonin receptors. Um, And so, uh, and this can kind of, like, explain why patients who um, have depression get more benefit from, like, a healthy diet uh, than when taking, like, antidepressants and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as we know um, now that, you know, although we we traditionally think of like this hormone, this neurotransmitter, serotonin, as something that's connected to more of your cognitive functioning, we know that more of it's produced in your gut, and so, um, and, and for, for for various reasons, and so when you increase the serotonin production in your gut or decrease it, it's going to impact your brain because it's also produced there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, what, were, what were the other questions that you had? I'm sorry.
0: No, actually, think... you, you covered it. You, you actually dove into all, all three aspects: with the probiotics and uh, uh, how it uh, benefits the brain in terms of the chemistry and hormones, and then uh, the effect that it may have on a heart, uh, your heart condition as well, uh, pro or con.
3: Uh, it
0: one of the things that I did as a runner, I've always used yogurt. And, you know, and as a vegetarian, I've used yogurt as a, a source for um, protein and calcium. And, but, however, I was guilty. It's not guilty, but I was um, not uh, informed about the benefits and, of using plain yogurt as opposed to yogurt, yogurt that had fruit. You know, I won't name any brands, anything like that. Um, could you briefly explain your take on the uh, attributes and advantages of having yogurt in your diet, and probiotics plays in that also, right? Excuse me. I said probiotics plays in that also because there's quite a few yogurt yogurt products that have pro- probiotics contained right, in it. Right, that's the primary benefit I think in
1: that uh, you, you get from yogurt. And in addition to that, it's got lots of protein and things like that in it. Um, you know, some people do react though to oh, to dairy, and so. You know, as a naturopath, what we're looking for is if people have digestive issues, a lot of times um, what we're looking for is to figure out, first and foremost, if they're reacting to the food. And yogurt, it could potentially be one of the ones that people react to on one hand. But on the other hand, I think that most of the time people uh, who take yogurt, especially just like you said, if it's not the type that's got a bunch of sugar in it, uh, if it's just kind of like a uh, well-made yogurt, maybe like a Greek yogurt with like uh, very little to no sugar in it, and it's got a good, um, uh, a good, a good proportion of uh, probiotics in it. I think that it's uh, it, it's very uh, healthy, it's very beneficial to you, and it's very beneficial in helping to reestablish the uh, healthy bacteria in your gut. And so, in addition to just taking probiotics, you can go ahead and, and uh, repopulate your gut with yogurt if you have some kind of digestive issue. But, again, if you're reacting to yogurt, that's not the best thing to do.
0: Right. Great. Well, I really appreciate that input. Uh, excellent information, and I'm sure that the listening audience appreciates it. And uh, I just want to thank you so much, uh, Dr. Salkor, for um, coming on the show and, and, and sharing um, your wisdom and insight and expertise in the matter of um, holistic health. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you
1: so much for having me. I'm so blessed for being able to do this and to um, be in, be in your company, your, your indoors company. again, thank you.
0: You're welcome.
2: And thank you, Dr. Saul, for good talking with you and hopefully we'll see you soon.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's it. Um, um, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've had the pleasure of having Dr. Saulpor on our show. And I would suggest that if you can spread the word, uh, we're going to have him on ongoing as a guest. We haven't decided how often, uh, but we look at least for once a month for him to come on board to share his wisdom and knowledge and also to make himself available to those of you who are listening uh, for insight as well as uh, education about how to optimize your health. So, again, thank you, uh, Dr. And we look forward to seeing in my, our wishes and well um, blessings to your family, and have a continued blessed evening.: Thanks, thanks, Baba.: You're welcome.